0: Hi, I'm Damon Fairless, host of Hunting Warhead from CBC Podcasts and the Norwegian newspaper VG. Hunting Warhead follows a global team of police and journalists as they attempt to dismantle a massive network of predators on the dark web. Winner of the grand prize for best investigative reporting at the New York festivals and recommended by The Guardian, Vulture, and The Globe and Mail, you can find Hunting Warhead on CBC Listen or
1: wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC
0: Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Welcome to The Dose. I'm guessing it's been two years since many of you last saw your family doctor in person. The pandemic is waning and people have started making appointments. So this week we're asking, I haven't had my regular checkup since before the pandemic. What should I ask my doctor? Hi, Peter. Welcome to The Dose. Thanks very much, Brian. Um, So I'm just curious how, you know, after two years of the pandemic, how challenging is it to get patients to break the virtual habit and come see you in person?
1: Yeah, it's very difficult. A lot of them want to come in. Some of them are afraid to come in, uh, but we're opening up and sometimes we have enough slots, sometimes we don't. So therefore, we're dealing with this juggling act as we're uh, opening back up. So,
0: you know, we're going to want to hear why, you know, why there's so much juggling and working through the backlog of checkup type visits and what uh, patients should be looking for when they talk to the doctor in a moment. But before we begin, can you give us a hi, my name is, tell us what you do and where you do it, just ad lib.
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm Peter Lin. I'm a family doctor by training. I'm also one of the directors of the Canadian Heart Research Centre and I get to hang out with you and CBC sometimes and report on health issues. Uh, so it's been a lot of fun and it's been challenging over the last two years, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, uh, you and you have done yeoman service as a house doctor to uh, CBC radio stations right across the country in addition to being a superb family doctor. So, So you have the gift of communication and you're an expert on the things we're going to be asking you about. So I'm an emergency physician, not a family doctor. Where do you recommend people begin if they haven't been to their doctors throughout the pandemic?
1: Yeah, I think it's time to do a checkup in the sense that there's a lot of diseases still going on. So if you have diabetes, high blood pressure, all of those things need some fine-tuning. But I think there's going to be too many people coming in at once. So I often look at it as who's closest to the cliff edge, you know, who's the one that we have to pull back from the cliff edge. So if you have a pain or a lump or anything like that, let's get those things checked out now. I know that we've been putting it off, but those are the things that we want to see right away. And then for the people that really don't have any complaints, that one could be a little bit more of a back burner. And that way we can spread out the sort of the demand cycle, I guess, if you will. Otherwise, it'll just be too crowded all at the beginning. So if you have something, an ailment, or anything like that, then those are the ones that we want to check right away. And then when you're going in to see the doctor, just think about your family history. Is it, you know, riddled with cancers and diabetes or strokes, those kinds of things. And that would help us to sort of focus in on things as well. So spend some time on thinking about your family history and what risks there are there. And that would be another good way to sort of focus that visit so that it's just not all over the place. Any information you can give us is kind of like a detective work and we'll focus more uh, detail into that particular area.
0: So part of the top of the list would be a lump, uh, certainly a woman who, who feels a breast lump that wasn't there before, um, a mole that's changed, uh, that's maybe growing in size, maybe a young man with, with, uh, who feels a lump in their scrotum because there's a risk of testicular cancer. Are those the kinds of things you're, you're talking about?
1: Yeah, exactly. So anything that you've had where you kind of put it off because of the COVID and you didn't want to take a risk, those are the things that we need to bring up. And those are the things that unless you bring it up, it's hard for us to focus, right? The body has a lot of parts moving. And so therefore, if you could tell us which parts are bothering you, then we will focus on there. So just like you were talking about lumps and, you know, pains anywhere that you can't explain, uh, skin is easy to see. So we don't want to miss any of these melanoma type of uh, situations. So lots of diseases that we need to catch up on. And the whole goal is to stop it from it ever becoming a complicated course for that particular disease.
0: I've heard that you recommend going through your body like a cartoon up. I love that, first of all. (laughs) Can you, can you elaborate on what you mean?
1: Yeah. So just like your car, right? You're going to get things checked out, you know, your liquids kind of checked and so on and so forth. So think of it the same way for your body. And what I tell people to do is just think from top down. Are there any things that are bothering you? Is there headaches? Is your vision funny? Is your hearing gone in one side? You know, the, the systems that we check, you know, so just like the pilots, they always tell us, you know, they go through their checklists. And I think we should go through our little checklist. And the easiest way is just to start from the top of your body and then just end up at your toes somewhere. And that way you won't forget anything. And so if you kind of go down your list, then that way you'll say, hmm, I better talk about this. I better, this is new. And then that way you collect a little list for us so that when you come in for the annual checkup, we're going to ask you, are there any things that bother you? And most of my patients go, no, nothing's bothering me, right? So if you, if you do have a few things, let's focus in on those ones. Um, so that way, we can do the appropriate testing instead of trying to do every single test uh, under the sun.
0: And you mentioned, uh, you know, pain. That would include heaviness in your chest. Uh, it might include new shortness of breath. Maybe you've you've lost a little bit of your vigor. You know, when you're walking upstairs or walking up and down the street, something like that.
1: Yeah, very much so. So we've been sitting around for a long time during the pandemic. And unfortunately, a lot of times we're watching TV or the Internet or whatever, and we're eating a lot more. So I've noticed that there's a lot more people with heart conditions. So think about it. Your heart has been pumping against blood pressure. And because we're not really exercising so much, because in the beginning we were saying, don't go outside. Many of us just sat around. So your heart is now deconditioned. And so the question is, is it just deconditioning or is there something else going on? And unfortunately, because we weren't around our friends, we had no benchmark, so no comparison. And so that's why we're seeing high blood pressure, high cholesterol, more heart disease. Um, so let's make sure that we pay attention to those things and get those things checked. Um, so if you have a blood pressure cuff, go measure your blood pressure. You know, um, We used to have a lot of patients going into the pharmacy to measure the blood pressure, but then that got closed off. And so maybe if you have a cuff, then have a check of that. Those kinds of things would be helpful as well.
0: And in fact, uh, blood pressure cuffs have become a lot less expensive and a lot, use, a lot more user friendly, a lot easier to use. Do you, do you recommend to your patients, especially if it's going to be a while until they can get to see you Uh, if you know they have high blood pressure that they monitor their own blood pressure
1: before they see you Oh yeah, for sure. And you think about it for two years, a lot of people have not had a blood pressure check. Like, I mean, when patients come to the office or you go to the hospital or visit a specialist, a lot of times somebody will do your blood pressure, a nurse or whatever that will do it. So that way you're still getting a checkup in that sense. But then for two years, I've had patients where they haven't had a blood pressure check. So if you have a blood pressure monitor or anything like that, that would be useful. And like you said, if there is a long wait to see your doctor, let's go and check those things that you can. So, you know, I I remember my dad, when when he was around, he, he had a blood pressure cuff. We got him one for his blood pressure and everybody that visited him, he would do the blood pressure on them. So he was like the blood pressure central of the whole neighborhood. And so everybody knew their blood pressure once they left their place. Uh, and so that's something very useful. So he was the neighborhood blood pressure guy. Um, and I've also told people that if let's say you've got symptoms, like I'm peeing a lot and I'm drinking a lot and I'm kind of thirsty. Well, that kind of sounds like high sugar or diabetes. So if one of your relatives, has one of those monitors let's go and check it if you can't get in to see the doctor then check it and if your sugars are high then all of a sudden when you call in and say hey i need to see dr lynn my sugars are like 12. in that case you get sent to the top of the list so again it's another way to find those people that are closer to that cliff edge that we have to see right away so in other words whether you have a lump or not but if you have a very high sugar you're going to be higher on the priority list so i think those things are useful for us And that way, I don't think anybody that's very healthy looking, uh, they won't mind if somebody that has really high sugars or has a breast lump jumps the queue. I I think we're going to be all kind of uh, very uh, aware that that's okay. In other words, we want the people um, that are the most ill to get the care first. And then the folks that are healthy and doing their tune ups, um, they can wait a little bit longer. uh, And that way they can get their care, but without clogging up the system uh, for the folks that might need it a little quicker.
0: But eventually, those folks who don't need uh, to be looked at a little quicker will need to be checked. So I want to ask you about age related routine testing, especially for cancer. First of all, how much of that has gone missing during the pandemic?
1: Oh, tons of it. So for example, you know how we used to do the stool samples and things like that? Well, the lab actually in the beginning sent saying that's a bodily fluid and that might contain COVID because we realized COVID could come out in your stools. So they said we're going to stop that for a little while. So the news of stopping these testing is very quick to reach everybody. But the news that they've restarted didn't come out as fast. So therefore, people sort of ignored it. And then if you haven't done it for this year and then the second year you didn't do it, you fall out of the routine to get all those testing done. So, for example, you know, mammograms and things like that. Um, which people were on the routine and everything else. Now, even if they get the letter, they ah okay, we'll wait till next year, that kind of thing. So we get out of routine. So let's put back that routine again. So let's go and do the mammogram tests, the pap tests that are needed, the prostate exams, those kinds of things. Um, Those are all important things that we have to sort of resurrect again uh, because we were out of practice, so to speak, and let's get back into the practice. And I guess that's part of getting back to normal. See, everybody's been telling us, let's get back to normal. And this living with COVID means that we get back to normal, looking after the other diseases as well. COVID is very, very important, but so is blood pressure and cholesterol and you know all these preventative things because we don't want to have a whole bunch of people because they didn't do any of the testing for the last two years to get into trouble in the next year or so
0: given the fact that some people have put off the kind of screening that you've been talking about uh, for a couple of years are we still should people still be following the standard guidelines for screening that were in place before the pandemic
1: yeah, very much so. And the key thing there is what is your risk? So if your average risk, for example, we start saying, okay, mammograms should start at age 50 if your average risk. But let's say you sort of dig back and you say, you know what, my whole family is full of breast cancer, you know, my aunt and my mother and all this kind of stuff. So now all of a sudden, you're not at average risk. So therefore, you'll need earlier screening. And so I think if we just think about your risk, then we can prioritize you appropriately. The problem is if Every single person goes and gets the test done, then it gets clogged up and we might not be able to do the right people. So this is where if we sit back and think a little bit about it, we can elevate ourselves to higher risk, in which case we need to be seen quickly. And in my mind, if I get that information, I will prioritize as well. And that way we don't overwhelm the system, but we get to pick out the right people so that we can help them as early as possible. Hi, I'm Paul Havershude, host of The Cost of Living. It's a show about money and how it shapes our lives. In big ways, like why inflation could get worse if we all make more money.
0: Here's the hard truth in all of this. Workers are going to have to eat that real wage loss.
1: And small ways, like what's the fastest way to order
0: fast food? That first Big Mac that comes out of the kitchen is going to the drive-thru.
1: Check out The Cost of Living. We're on CBC Listen or wherever you get podcasts.
0: Um, I want to shift gears now and talk about alcohol because we know that alcohol use went up a lot during the pandemic. And I wanted to ask you, Peter, how much is that a driver of increased illness that you're going to have to deal with as a family doctor?
1: Yeah, a huge problem because think about what people did. They were stressed out at home watching TV about all these people dying in the beginning. So people turned to alcohol because that's easy, calms them down and may help them sleep. So they were using it like, like I guess, medicine, I guess, if you will. And so therefore some people became addicted to it now you think about alcohol it goes into your liver does all sorts of things in your liver level does things to your heart does a lot of things to the brain as well so now we have a slew of things and the problem is we might not ask about it right and the patient may not think it's a problem so think about it if people around you are telling you have a problem then probably you do so this is a good opportunity to say hey, Dr. Lin, I need to talk about some issues. And then that way we can have an open conversation and then avoid all the complications that alcohol addiction will bring.
0: What are some signs that a patient should talk to their family doctor about their mental health?
1: Oh, this is a huge problem. At least when we were seeing patients in the office, we can look at them and say, look, you look pretty depressed. Like we can actually visually get cues. Whereas in this situation, if we're doing it by phone or a lot of times people become sort of retracted away from society so they don't even want to do phone calls, then we've lost everything. We don't have any visual cues that they're getting into trouble. So this is where we need people to to help out, you know, family, friends and things like that. So if you notice your friend or your loved one is going downhill or not responding appropriately, then we need to get them help. And the three things we're looking for is one, is there any thoughts of hurting themselves, suicide or homicide, that kind of thing? Those are the people that are the closest to that cliff edge that we're talking about. Second is maybe they're not thinking about that, but they can't function. So they're not getting up, they're not eating, they're not, um, you know, attending Zoom meetings or going to work uh, virtually or not virtually. So that's a problem as well. And then finally, these are the people that are functioning, but they have mood disturbances so depression, anxiety, those kinds of things also need help. So if we kind of categorize those people into the three sections, then we kind of know how urgent the care is. And so for family and friends, if you see that happening, contact us.
0: Okay, I want to shift gears again and talk about patients who have recovered from COVID. And there are a lot of them, obviously, in the country. What health problems are you seeing in them? Are you anticipating that you're going to be seeing in them?
1: Yeah, there's this long COVID and the number bounces between 10 and 30% of the cases. And this is where the virus is gone, but you feel exhausted. You just have no energy. So you get up for five seconds and then you sort of collapse. So we see that they still have symptoms of coughing, shortness of breath, headaches, those kinds of things. And so therefore that becomes a problem because they're not functioning. So currently the the simplest thing that we can do for those people is to build them up slowly. So allow them to slowly exercise and increase their endurance, kind of like an injured athlete. We let them go slowly. We don't throw them, you know, right into, you know, the nine to five job. We build them up slowly and that way we can help. The other problem that we're seeing is they looked at the veterans database and they noticed that people that got COVID, not hospitalized or anything like that. The year after, they basically had increased heart attacks, strokes, blood clots, and that inflammation of the heart, that myocarditis. So therefore, for people that have made it through the COVID, the acute thing, let's keep a close eye on them. So if they have high blood pressure and cholesterol and those kinds of things, let's make sure all of those things are well controlled so that we reduce their risk of heart attacks and strokes and blood clots and these kinds of things.
0: Let's shift now, Peter, from uh, patients to parents of kids, Mm. uh, and uh, a whole separate category, but an important one. So I want to ask you, why should parents book a routine checkup for their children?
1: Yeah, so we used to see them all the time with the immunization and everything else. and, And then all of a sudden, the pandemic hit, and we said, okay, let's put everything on pause. So we basically said, don't bring the child in for a shot. Uh, because there's a risk of COVID and all these other crazy things. So then we put this thing on pause and then we realized that we're falling behind. So we weren't protecting the children against all of these diseases that we could protect them against and we weren't following them up. We weren't measuring their growths and spurts and things like that. And so therefore the kids were being neglected because of the pandemic so very quickly um, that's why the the pediatricians and the pediatric society started to saying bring them in you know get those vaccinations done it is safe to do them and let's have those well visits again to make sure that everything's on track. Because when we don't do those visits, we don't have a chance to give advice about, you know, here's, be careful about, you know, your child eating soil and, you know, that they're going to be crawling around and there might be sharp stuff on the ground. So all these very good advice that we were giving at every single visit, we didn't have that opportunity. And so therefore, let's restart all of that. Let's connect them back together again so that we can keep track of our kids because we want our kids to stay on that track, right? We don't want them to veer off that track and it's much easier to take care of things right at the beginning, as opposed to waiting a year or two later, and we've missed the boat.
0: Last question I wanted to ask you. There's one group of individuals in this country that I'm particularly concerned about, and it's those who are immunocompromised. Because, you know, in addition to being immunocompromised, and they've gone through this, 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 this pandemic, they may be the most reluctant to make an in-person appointment with their family doctor. What are you most worried about in immunocompromised patients who may or may not be willing to come to the office?
1: Yeah, they are the highest risk people, right? In terms of getting infection. And I think that's what they're hearing because every single time we hear about COVID, the immunocompromised, they might not make the antibodies and so on and so forth, but they are also the most complicated patients that might need that in-person visit, right? So in other words, when we talk on the phone, we're just dealing with one issue. But when I see somebody, like, you know, my eyes are going all over the place. I, I see I see their eyes, I see their skin color, I see their hands, oh, they're shaking. And look, their gait is really bad. They're not very stable. So all of those things I cannot pick up on a phone call, for example. So that's why these in-person visits are very useful, because observation, we can see a whole lot of stuff. As physicians, uh, and as nurse practitioners, we're basically trained to recognize patterns. So we're pattern recognizing people, right? So once we see this pattern, this is this condition. And so Imagine how fast we can recognize that pattern with an in-person visit, versus something over the telephone or even over a computer we might not see the person walking they'll just be sitting there i've actually made it a point where if i'm doing a video with them i'll say get up and then just get away from the chair and then come back and then i can see how wobbly they are whereas i don't really need to do that in an in-person visit i just watch how they walk into the room how they sit down and all of a sudden i already know whether they have strength enough to get on and off the toilet are they going to fall off the toilet All of that just happens automatically, and we lose that if we don't have those in-person visits. Having said that, we want to make sure that patients are feeling comfortable. So when I see my immunocompromised patients, I got two masks on, I got a face shield. So that way they know that when I come close to them, I'm not going to be breathing viruses on them. And we try to make sure that there's nobody else in the waiting room. So that way they come directly into the office and that makes them feel more comfortable. And I actually explain all of that and have our staff explain that. So that way their, their sense of anxiety is now calmed down. And after that they said, oh, I don't mind coming and doing this at all because they, they need the interaction as well. And they actually appreciate those uh, live in-person visits
0: so get yourself as far away from the cliff as you can make an appointment with your family doctor uh peter lynn you are a fund of amazing advice and i want to thank you for speaking with me on the dose
1: thank you brian you are awesome and continue to do what you do which is helping all of us understand uh, a little bit about healthcare. right back at you
0: dr peter lynn is a family physician in toronto a researcher in cardiovascular disease and the CBC's house doctor. Here's your dose of smart advice. As the pandemic wanes, a lot of people will be clamoring to see their doctor or nurse practitioner, which means demand for appointments will be heavy. At the same time, you may have accumulated some health issues that need to be addressed. The first priority is to pull yourself back from the cliff. Make an appointment now for worrisome things like you have felt a lump, noticed that a mole is changing or have abnormal bleeding. Same goes for concerning symptoms like chest discomfort, headache, and shortness of breath. The second priority is to take care of cancer and other screening, like regular mammograms, PSA testing for prostate cancer, and colonoscopy. Know your own risk profile. The more risk factors you have for cancer, things like a strong family history, the more urgent it is to get screened. Tell your health care provider if you've increased your alcohol consumption during the pandemic or have mental health symptoms like anxiety and depression. Parents of young children need to schedule an appointment to catch up on childhood immunizations and to make sure your kids are growing and developing normally. Many of us have gotten used to virtual appointments. Now is the time to get back into the habit of seeing your health care provider in person. If you have topics you'd like discussed or questions you'd like answered, tweet me at nightshiftmd, at CBC Podcasts, or at CBC White Coat, hashtag thedoseCBC. Our email address is thedose at cbc.ca. You can find the dose wherever you get your podcasts. If you like this episode, please rate us five stars so more people can find us. This edition of the dose was produced by Stephanie Dubois. Technical support was by Gary Francis. Our senior producer is Colleen Ross. The dose wants you to be better informed about your health. If you're looking for medical advice, see your health care provider. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Until your next dose.
1: For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.